the the mixtape editions that kind of combine each team's different eras. I definitely think of dying from dysentery when I look at those jerseys. Um, I think there's kind of a fine line between Fiesta and, and Siesta. Were those the ones that looked like pimpish pajamas? No, it, it reminds me of the first time I went to a Golden Corral. So what you're saying is this is basically the brown version of Matthew Della Vidova wearing the Cream City. It's like Adam Silver walked into, oh, what was it? Um, West Coast Customs. An exhibit was there and he was like, you know, I need you to design these uniforms. I think I called them the Tragic Kingdoms and either I made that up or I stole it from somebody else. That's one that I, I think when I first saw it, I, I might have tweeted something calling for like consecutive life sentences for the person responsible for it. Got another really fun show for everybody today, but first, the Levitard Flip of the Week. Straw Man! Or R-E-D-D, like Michael Red. Remember him? Yeah. Sweet Jay. I think you just made it R-E-D-D twice. I think you just respelled it the same way you spelled it the first time. You are on a disastrous run right now, like catastrophic. You have never, like you, great, you, are the, you are the lowest bar in the history of sports journalism yeah. and your last 25 minutes have been a total locust-filled apocalypse. Never felt better. I mean, coming off a day where I broke the Zeke news, I mean, <laughs> wow. A caller on the local hour pointed out to us that this is the three-year anniversary of you saying you would be 1% less worse. Yep. In response, Noel Gallagher has started a petition for Foo Fighters to break up. <laughs> for all the latest headlines and information, tune in the Sports Center on ESPN Radio all throughout the day. Let me marvel for a moment at everything that has happened over the last 20 minutes and what was happening during the break because last week Bill Simmons called in and he uh, was complaining that I don't correct Stugatz enough. And I was explaining to him how wearying it is to play this daily whack-a-mole with Stugatz, where if I correct everything wrong that he says during a show, we won't have time to talk about anything else. For example, we missed, somebody just tweeted during the break, somebody just tweeted, hey, John Hanna was a guard. Stugatz called him a tackle. What? <laughs> yeah, like I can't, what I'm telling you is that I can't keep track of the number of things that he gets wrong. I'm not sure that guy's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, but that's of course, you should have seen how he pivoted during the break because Mike Ryan looked it up and he said, it is Alex Guerrero, the doctor who's not a doctor for the Patriots. And Stugatz's response was his friends call him Robert. <laughs> Robert Guerrero is a boxer. <laughs> Bobby. So, um, also on Twitter, somebody wrote in something funny because I'm telling you, I am telling you that it is impossible to deflect all of his nonsense. We invariably are going to get all sorts of things wrong every day just because I can't keep up with how many things he's saying that are wrong or just terrible judgment. For example, this isn't wrong. 
Somebody tweeted in this during the Bill Barnwell interview. I want to know what Stugatz wrote on the paper during the Barnwell interview that Dan just threw directly in the trash. So now I'm going to go fishing through the trash to find out what the hell it was because it could be anything. Like, honestly, there are so many times where he's offering something and I'm rejecting it because I'm like, that's terrible. You've learned nothing in 20 years doing this. I'll also say that there is a flow that Dan has to his interview. So occasionally... I will write down some questions, either for himself or Dan, uh, in case he forgets something, or, you know, just when I could find a spot to get in. Or when he could come up with something that's original that you can't hear anywhere else, like this, which I just fished out of the trash, Jason Garrett, hot seat. <laughs> that would have been a good one. <laughs> the puppet. <laughs> what do you think? So here was Bill Barnwell. Uh, so the, a big upset happened during the Bill Barnwell interview where Stu Gatz, who, again, this is the worst 20-minute run that Stu Gatz has ever had here. And keep in mind, Stu Gatz does things like this Alex Smith take that's historic around here. He does things like this all the time that can't be proven factually wrong in the moment, but then get to be historically wrong when Mahomes throws for 50 touchdowns. Go ahead, Andy Reid. I dare you to go 14-2 and two and allow Alex Smith to leave Arrowhead Stadium to leave Kansas City. Go ahead, I dare you, because of Patrick Mahomes. Because you think you could turn Patrick Mahomes into something that Alex Smith is not. Alex Smith is a very good quarterback. The audacity. First off, to do this to Alex Smith who's been very good and loyal to Andy Reid and won him a lot of football games to dangle Patrick Mahomes out there because Andy Reid thinks he's some sort of quarterback whisperer, which he is not, by the way. He is not because if he was, Alex Smith would be better than he's been the last few years. So I, I oh, wow. dare. There was, I mean, that's a record for contradiction. <laughs> it's on Andy Reid. That, that is a That's a world record for Stugatz not paying attention to any of the things he said the sentence before. <laughs> Chris was just wincing in pain at how wrong all that is in retrospect. Could not be more wrong. Not so sure. How could you have been? He was just whispering one-year wonder under his breath a second ago. I do it again. (laughs) So what a big upset it was to have Bill Barnwell on, to have him give us rat-a-tat-tat information, and then Stugatz flummoxes him because we all know how this season's going to end. Pat's in the Super Bowl. Well, what, I, I would feel dumb if I said no, and then they made it. Saying yes and having them... <laughs> it rendered all the other questions meaningless. All right. Again, I want you guys to hear, not since Nick Offerman's dismount on a phone call that was clumsy and a failure, have we had a moment of uh, such clumsiness that Bill Barnwell, when, when when given the most obvious question, Patriots again in the winning the Super Bowl, this is his retort. Pat's in the Super Bowl? Well, what, I, I would feel... He's great. He is our football expert. He is wonderful. His information is great. But Stu Gatz, who's gotten, again, 27 facts wrong in the last minute and a half, uh, really flummoxed it. I would feel this all downhill from there. Let me hear the offerman. Nick, thank you for, uh, so much for being on with us. Really enjoy your work. Oh, thanks for having me. Have a great day. Oh, familia. <laughs> So, obviously, that's just an excuse to 
show that my Super Bowl pick was right. Also, a nice little Michael Red reference in there. And Stugat's the engine of the show with all his nonsense. So I want to do the kind of the Levitard clip of the week every single week. And so without further ado, here's a whole lot of uniform talk. So my guest this evening is the 11th of February, a man of many names, the great Da Vinci, uh, Hoopla Dog 87, um, probably many other aliases, the, you know, Sultan of Swat, what, what else you got? Uh, but, but, but a truly great, great uh, amateur designer, and so we're, um, we'll just call him Brian for this, but yeah, man, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to speaking with the, uh, the uniform tyrant himself. Yes, I, I'm, <laughs> Kendrick's going to love that. Um, yeah, uniform tyrant. Do, well, we can start there. Do you find I, I find probably some of the things that that I, I'm guessing you believe and that I believe, frankly, completely self-evident. But there's a strong contingent of more than half of people, I would say, that their reaction is not, oh, this uniform thing, that's kind of interesting. But what's the big deal? There's there's a strong contingent of people who are just like this is stupid. Stop talking about it. Get over it. And so that's, I think that's where the uniform tyrant came from my buddy Kendrick, who could, who could not, who actively wants you to shut up when you start talking about uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I feel like a lot of people, um, especially that once we've gotten into this Nike era of design, it's been kind of dissected and so many hairs have been split and we look at every little detail and the casual viewer just doesn't really have that, uh, same desire to, to analyze it on that level, I don't think. Have you listened? Have you gotten the chance to listen to the the unified um, Paul Lucas, Chris Kramer podcast at all yet? I, I just checked that out the other day. I was going to say, I have not. I've got the first two episodes downloaded, but I have not found time to uh, to put that on play yet. I, I don't want to say it's better. That probably implies something if I say it's better than you think. I don't know how, how good you think it's going to be. I, I would say I, I did not miss any visual element for the first couple, because it was just kind of, kind of like a "Hey, what's your story?" kind of kind of episode that I, that I found pretty interesting. But, but yeah, it's it's definitely kind of a niche thing. Anyway, so th- the way I discovered you was a couple of years ago, and I had it pulled up somewhere here. But a couple of years ago, I was on on the Chris Creamer boards, which is something that I came to way later, and really just fell in love with kind of the concept art and especially the Milwaukee Bucks concept art. So those those who uh, think that I grew up being kind of a green and red Bucks fan, it's it's very far from the case, very far from the case. That came, that came to me much, much, much later. What would happen is you would look at different concepts of things and then you kind of were able to conceptualize how, how an idea might work, you know, um, and, and and by far, by far, it's right here. I got it pulled up now. This just the most incredible um, rendition. Actually, this is the one you did a little bit, little bit later. The 2018-2019 Bucks uh, uniform concept, which was kind of, in my opinion, redeeming kind of the stripy big head duck, uh, big head buck kind of look. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just, just, just an incredible look. It's, it's got a beautiful Irish rainbow with uh, the three color green plus the white. Um, and, and I was smitten from then, and I, I've been smitten with just about all of your stuff uh, since then. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, well, how'd you get into making fake uniforms? I mean, it's one of those things that, especially growing up as a basketball fan in the 90s, I mean, everything that you look at, the first thing that you notice, especially as a kid, 
I mean, whether it's the Phoenix Suns, the Seattle Supersonics, um, you know, any of those teams with those beloved 90s uniforms, mm. that's that's the first thing that you see and the first thing that you pay attention to. Um, and so to kind of grow up in that golden era, uh, whether you really consciously know it or not, you, you kind of form those opinions and, and carry those with you as you, as you grow and mature. Um, and, and so to kind of see how uniform design has progressed since then, um, it, it's one of those things that, you know, depending on your view, sometimes you think it may be progressing or regressing. Um, but to kind of have an opportunity to create the things that, that you'd like to see and, and that you would love to see on a court, um, that, that's really what kind of got me in that direction. And um, kind of a funny story, but the, the first uniform I designed was uh, probably back in 20, 2012, 2013, maybe, um, when Mark Cuban ran the, uh, I can't remember what website it was on, but uh, I believe cr- crowd, it was crowdsourcing for mm. the Dallas Mavericks alternate uniform. And so, so that was when they, they wore the city skyline uh, kind of towards the end of Dirk's career. Yeah. Um, that was the the winning submission on that. But uh, I, I had seen that contest and thought, you know, I like basketball jerseys. I, I like designing things. You know, let's give this a shot. Um, and <laughs> it was comically awful what I submitted. Um, <laughs> but but that's one of those things that once you kind of pay attention to the, the perspective of, you know, how, how do we produce something that would go on to a court? Um, that the players would wear. There's just so much more that kind of goes into it as far as production and is it legible and how does it show up on TV? And there's just kind of a lot of creative problem solving that goes into it um, that you don't really necessarily think of when you're you know, just a kid who's enthusiastic about basketball jerseys. It's, it's, it's really interesting, I, I think. Um... There are probably a couple of different kids in, in school and in high school, and there was certainly the uh, kid who would doodle, you know, kind of sports logos on the margins of their binder kind of thing. And Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, was that you? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I used to I used to almost reflexively kind of draw the Batman logo like over and over again, or even like the starter because starter was kind of big in the nineties and it was like the, <laughs> the, the, the S with the star. And I would just, I'd make a star and then I'd turn it, I'd make a star and then I'd add the S and, but yeah, kind of design designing comic book characters or, or, or things of that nature. Just, just cause you know, back then we had pencils and paper and it was just like, well, I'm going to doodle something. Um, but yeah, I, I, I tried my hand at that a little bit. I'm sure it was, nothing as great as some of your works, but there is kind of, there's very much, and really that's kind of something I wanted to ask you about. There's very much now um, kind of both with the tools available and just kind of seemingly the Twitter and social media aspect. There's very much kind of a DIY aspect to all of this now that somebody can simply just kind of come up with a mock-up and and tweet it out and and see if people like it. What's kind of your take on that? I think it's fantastic. And, and there's, uh, you know, kind of a strong and, and growing community out there of concept designers. Um, and, and fortunately, it's, you know, with like you said, with the tools being more and more readily available, um, it's kind of a, you know, pick up and play for, you know, anyone and everyone who wants to participate in that. Um, and, and so kind of the, the more accessible that these things become, 
then you know you also have the the channels and outlets such as Twitter, Instagram, um, and kind of the power of social media um, to not only get those ideas out there, but to connect people and you know ultimately hopefully kind of push the the design community forward. Now the difference though, and again, I'm not flattering you. I don't flatter people on this podcast. Is your stuff is just great. Your stuff is just great. And there, there's some people who I won't name who, in my opinion, look, I, I should always mention this anytime we have a uniform centric podcast that I'm just nobody. I'm just nobody. I have no talent with these kind of things or anything like that. I just have my opinions and that's all I have. So with that as a big caveat to, I don't know what I'm talking about. There are some people who are just throwing stuff against the wall and being like, oh, this is, you know, this is this is a jersey of, of a cow. And this is, you know, this is the jersey that looks like a Coke can. And then there's what you're doing, which is just art. Like I, I was looking, I was kind of looking through your stuff. That Spurs, that Spurs concept that you came up with is better than just about any jersey I've seen of almost any team. Like some of the stuff. So I, I again, I'm, I'm not flattering you, j- except just to say that you're several cuts above just kind of a lot of the amateur stuff that I see out there. Well, first off, thank you very, very much. That that means a lot, and I really appreciate it. And it's always nice to know that your your work is well received, um, especially once again by the uniform tyrant. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's one of those things where, like you said, you know, it's it's not just a case of, you know, just picking up some colors and some patterns and some fonts and kind of throwing it all together and seeing what sticks. Um, Obviously, as a hobby, that's that's a great thing, and it's important to create the things that you want to create. Um, but but from my perspective, my approach has always been that I want to look at it and approach it exactly as a team does. And, and so they have these kind of structures and and brands that they have to work within um, to, to try and reach their fan base and expand their fan base. And, and there's a lot of stakeholders involved in those processes. Um, and so it's just something that I try to consider kind of all of those angles as much as possible and create something that would hopefully realistically uh, not only fit on a court, but that also would, you know, engage with the fans and, you know, make everybody that's involved in those stakeholding positions um, proud and excited to be associated with that uniform. It, it comes through. It, it comes across. It comes across. I think especially the Spurs one, it was so interesting because especially because I obviously people know who listen to this know I have an entire vendetta against the Milwaukee Bucks cream. And what you did wasn't exactly cream. I don't know what, what Mel, you can tell us what, what color that was. Um, it was kind of like a an, an off-white um, and the, the idea, actually, I can't really claim that as a, an original idea of my own, actually. Um, it came from Ebbets Vintage. Mm-hmm. Um, they've yeah. got a lot of awesome, mostly vintage baseball products. Um, but this was a, a crossover apparel collection with the San Antonio Spurs. Um, and I think it's just such a great way, kind of combining that old school feel with just a few pops of those Fiesta colors. I think yeah. that's just such a kind of a great way, just such a, a unique and thoroughly San Antonio Spurs, um, just kind of retro look that still fits in the context of today's uniforms. You, you know, you said something earlier, because I think a common complaint that if we ha- happen to be just a little bit older, then perhaps we would have fallen into the next category. And by that, I'm saying... So if you grew up in the 90s, then of course, like you said, of course, you love all, you know, the, the Phoenix Sun Starburst and you like the things because 
you were just of that age. But I, th- I think what happens is you can kind of go from whatever point you happen to be growing up or whatever point you developed an appreciation for some of these things or some of these concepts. And then you kind of look back and you're like, well, you know, the sun's set before that was quite interesting. You know, kind of the, the old Paul Westfall kind of kind of set before that. That also had kind of interesting sets. Like I grew up with the Bucks Purple, but then you look back and you get an appreciation from the some of the other ones. It doesn't mean that you like it's not like I like every 70s basketball jersey or whatever else i mean probably the nfl ones are all pretty uniformly awesome but your appreciation obviously just with anything else kind of evolves through the years and what i would argue or perhaps i should phrase this in the form of a question how do you feel about what i would call the lack of structure because we're going to talk about nba city editions in just a moment what I would call is now the kind of land of everything goes that we're kind of seeing, not just with Nike, but specifically, I think what people associate with the Nikeization of, of the NBA. I mean, I, I should probably first qualify this statement with, I, I am a big fan of, of Nike as uh, both a team outfitter, as well as just in terms of kind of their everyday apparel products. Um, and, and so I think them taking over for, I mean, we've seen them take over what the the NFL, uh, the NBA, and now Major League Baseball as well. Um, and, and there is kind of a very distinct shift um, for each of those leagues with respect to the uniform design. Um, and, and as it pertains to the NBA, I think it's kind of been a double-edged sword. Um, like you said, there's kind of been a little bit of chaos um, in terms of, you know, some color versus color matchups, typical home versus away isn't uh, exactly a thing anymore. City edition is really kind of whatever each individual team wants it to be. Um, But I think out of that lack of structure can come some pretty good and unique and interesting designs. Um, And I, I think just from a pure design perspective, Nike does a really good job of designing full uniforms. And so what I mean by that is you look at their jerseys, shorts, accessories, everything that they outfit a player with, it it is a very cohesive and coherent uniform. And nine out of 10 times, if not more, I think it's very well designed. Um, Now, kind of on the backside of that, and we are going to get into city editions like you just mentioned, I I think a lot of times there are some things that uh, are a little tone deaf, perhaps, for for lack of a better term. Um, And and I guess what I mean by that is when you look at a basketball team, you have the, the Milwaukee Bucks. There's kind of two parts to that when you look at it with respect to city editions. There's the city, Milwaukee. And then the team, the Bucks, And I, I think kind of the perfect city edition uniform threads the needle between those two seamlessly as the Milwaukee Bucks. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times in city edition, we see it skew one direction or another a little too far. And, and so that's how you end up with, you know, a blue Milwaukee Bucks jersey that it makes sense in the context of Milwaukee but it's got nothing to do with the Bucks. It looks nothing mm. like the Bucks, right. and, and so I think that there's, you know, there's a- some, amen. some some great cases, some not so good cases, and, and so I think that it'll be interesting to see as we're kind of nearing the halfway mark of Nike's apparel deal with the NBA, 
how they recalibrate things and move forward for the second half of that deal. And, and it'll be interesting. I don't, I have no concept in it. What you, what you just said was very, very well said. I'm in my own uniform bubble on topics like this. I have no idea whether these things are actually well received or not. And the Bucks, the Bucks is a perfect example. I guarantee you, and look, I'm going to call people sheep. I don't mean to call people sheep. I guarantee you if the Bucks came out with the blue jersey in 2017, which was in the whenever the Bucks just fired kid uh, mm-hmm. or around that kind that kind of love train when we were starting 60 wins, they would have been much better received. There, there's been a kind of an awakening, a, a dark side awakening of, of frustration with the team, frustration with the coach, and, and a lot of other things came to the forefront. And so now I think the blue jerseys were much more poorly received for that. I could be wrong about that. I just don't have any context. I just know for a while, anytime, I mean, you see these releases on Twitter. I mean, generally speaking, I would guess nine out of 10 of any kind of mass marketed Twitter video kind of release or teaser release. Generally speaking, most of it is like oh, hot fire. That's fire. That's great. That's so dope. And I, I think when people, unless something is really bizarrely out there, I think when people criticize kind of new uniforms, really they're criticizing the team. Uh, but I could be totally wrong about that. It's just kind of my perception that the blue was just kind of the same slop that the Bucks were putting out in 2018. But but by now, like at, at a certain point now, people are a little bit more fed up. But I, I don't really know how to evaluate it one way or the other. No, that, that, that's a very good point. And I agree with that just in kind of skimming through Twitter all the time. And it's interesting how City Edition especially has kind of become its own social media campaign for teams. Mm. And so you you hit kind of, and I guess the timeline was thrown off a little bit this year. Um, but typically once you kind of hit November, December, you start seeing, you know, some teasers and then the official, you know, images are posted and then they go on sale towards the holidays. Um, and it's kind of interesting to sift through a lot of the initial reactions Um, as well as once you see them on court a few months later. And and I know for sure myself, like I, you know, saw a few leaked images this year and immediately hated some things and thought, thought they looked terrible. Mm. And, you know, had we had this conversation, you know, a month or two ago, I'd, I'd put a few of these things in, in probably my bottom five. And, you know, now, now that I've had a chance to see some in action live on TV, you know, it's kind of amazing how that, that perspective changes. And so it's interesting to kind of see the progression from the initial release and outcry of, oh, this is hot fire or this is terrible. And then to kind of see everything kind of regress to the mean once you kind of get into the season and actually see them live and in action. So you said that, and I'm intrigued by that. You We talked a couple of weeks ago. We've been talking for a couple of months trying to put this together, and then there's just kind of been so much stuff going on but you said that that your opinion has changed a little bit so i'm, I'm kind of interested to get into that because I, I i don't know i'm, I'm I, I, I like with anything else i hope we disagree i, I love a podcast where people disagree so um, <laughs> i can guarantee we will disagree and i i'm not really entirely proud of some of my takes but uh i will own them okay so check it out we are going to right now go through our top five and our bottom five city edition jerseys. I think it'll probably be a little bit better if we go through our top five first in reverse order. Uh, this is look, man. I'm I got I got no rush. I got nowhere to be. So you you want to go on a diversion? You want to go sideways? You want to tell a story? That's totally fine. Say anything you want. 
Uh, but why, uh, Brian, why don't you start? Five, fight. Okay, so so my fifth best, and and this one comes with an asterisk. Um, and have had we recorded this potentially tomorrow, I, I may very well change it. Um, but it's going to be debuted tonight here on TNT, actually, in the, the West Coast game. Um, it's the Portland Trailblazers. And R- record scratch. All right. We're going to add a record scratch. <laughs> all right. All right. And, and so I very well may wake up tomorrow and uh, have it squarely placed in the bottom five. But for, for the time being, I am oddly kind of bullish on this one. Um, and the, the reason being, Portland's weird. Portland is, is very strange. Um, it's a beautiful city. It's one of my favorite places on earth. And that uniform kind of weaves in a lot of the unique things about Portland um, in, in terms of the landscape and where it sits in the Pacific Northwest. And like I said just a few moments ago, I think kind of one of the keys to City Edition is threading the needle between the city and the team. Um, and so the nickname Trailblazers kind of brings in that that aspect of, I think of the Oregon Trail video game from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but kind of, you know, being trendsetters and leading boldly and kind of, you know, moving through the... I, go ahead. I definitely think of dying from dysentery when I look at those jerseys. <laughs> so that, that works great. Love that. Um, but so to kind of capture all of those, and, and I don't have the the official Nike speak in front of me, but uh, kind of a lot of the natural elements um, of kind of that westward westward expansion into Portland and Oregon, um, along with the kind of the subtle pattern, the elevation pattern over the entire brown base. Is is that what that is? It almost looks like kind of a sonar texture or something, or I wasn't sure. Like like is it like a topography kind of thing or? Looking at I, it now. I thought it was topography. Um, I know some of the promotional images I actually just saw earlier this afternoon um, kind of had them, it had players pictured in the uniforms next to trees. And so I don't know if it's like a tree bark pattern. I'm not sure. I'm going to need some clarification on that one. Um, but then you get that kind of kind of that nice pop of color down the side paneling. And I know each of those colors kind of has some sort of symbolic meaning as well. Um and it's a very anti-Portland Trailblazers uniform. It's not the typical, you know, black, white, and red with the sash. Um, but at the same time, looking at City Edition, I think it's important to kind of consider the space in which these uniforms live. And they have that one-year shelf life um, where the team's not, this is not who they're going to be for the next, you know, 5, 10, 20 years. It's just kind of a snapshot at this point in time of, of who they are for this season. Excellent. Okay, so your number five is Portland. Your number five best uh, top five. Um, my top five, I struggled a little bit. Um, I was going to put the Timberwolves here, which I think is a uh, completely just kind of generally attractive. Uh, now, again, I, I, I very much believe that how a jersey, how, how a look makes you feel is how it makes you feel. And so I, I would not try to put things, despite being a uniform tyrant, I'm not trying to put anybody else into a box. What I generally kind of think um, from the branding side is does this uniform set look like blank? Does it look like the team we're talking about? Is it attractive? How's the word mark? Is it doing too much? And ultimately like, would I wear it? 
Um, mm-hmm. th- th- these are just kind of guiding things in my mind. It's not a checklist, but these are just kind of the things, um, some, some of the things that I value. Uh, so I wanted to have a little bit of fun. I thought the Minnesota one is completely representative. And if I was a Timberwolves fan, it, as kind of maybe pedestrian that is, that's probably better than just about anything the Bucks have done for a really long time. But just to be kind of fun, I am going to play my wild card here and talk about Five. the Pelicans. I'm going to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans Ooh. as my fifth best jersey it's probably not actually my fifth best but it's up there but let me at least talk it out <laughs> you have my attention it's bananas it's incredibly it looks like it looks like a, a medieval herald trumpeter like that's exactly what it looks like it looks like that kind of long shirt that like like that you see in the movies um it's i tend to give uh, the whole city a mulligan because it's New Orleans is a city with a color scheme with that kind of Mardi Gras color scheme. And so they, I, I feel like they've been saddled with just kind of these wacky purples and yellows and, and greens and the whole deal, which is why it's really, now they don't do that here. They basically go with kind of, kind of reds and blues, but for whatever reason, that one doesn't offend me. I don't think it's necessarily great. I mean, they, they're doing, yes, it's the state flag and yada, yada. And again, I'm not going to defend anything by saying, hey, this is the state flag, because I typically hate all of this stuff, even though, yes, we are operating under the city edition space. But there's something about the Pelicans that is just so audacious. <laughs> it's so audacious that they would basically make a frock. And it's basically also meant to be I mean, keeping it real, it's yes, the players have to tuck it in, but it it's meant to be worn untucked, like it's got a whole blue sash below the tuck line, and I just think it's insane. So I, I'm I'm going with I'm going with the Pelicans at number five. And now, is that one that the first time you saw it, would you have placed it there, or is that one that's kind of grown on you over time and once you've seen it in action? It, I still don't really even like it. I just think it's crazy. I, I just think it's crazy in a good way. And <laughs> I just think it's insane in a good way. It looks okay on the court. Obviously, Zion's still a pretty a pretty big star. Um, the Pelicans kind of picked this kind of innocuous. I mean, obviously, it's red, white, and blue with the gold. And so they're trying to make things work. And, and I feel like this is almost the definitive City Edition jersey in so much as it really is... A, on one level, on one level, it looks like the flag and all this kind of stuff. But on another level, it's just bizarre, like this bizarre deep reference. But again, I, it's it, it looks like something from the Ren Fair. Like it, it, I just can't. It looks like something that you design in like 2K or something like that. And so I, I don't know. For whatever reason, I'm just feeling a little bit charitable to it at this point. Absolutely, and I think that's kind of the nice thing about that city edition space is it gives you an opportunity to break some of those rules that you wouldn't on, you know, your normal association and icon edition. And, and so I think that's kind of the the fun part where they're not committed to this long term, but it's a fun look for this year. Four. Fight. Uh, number four is the Indiana Pacers. Oh, let's hear about it. And it, it's one of those things that I, I grew up uh, kind of, you know, after the 90s, you know, once I really kind of started getting into basketball and started playing basketball, uh, I was a big fan of the Indiana Pacers. Love, love Jermaine O'Neal. That was my guy growing up. Um, and, and those Pacers pinstripes uniforms probably had a lot to do with it. Um, and, and so I've always kind of associated them with the pinstripes. And I think they've done a great job of 
in kind of their current primary sets, um, you know, they've kind of just got the, the pinstripes relegated to the side panels. And so they've kind of, you know, kept that part of their history in there, but it's not at the forefront. Um, and so I think it's kind of a nice change of pace to see them, you know, once again, bring it to the forefront. Um, but while also kind of retaining some of those other elements of their current sets, kind of the, you know, the diagonal cuts on the side paneling, um, the, the current font set. Mm, yeah. um, and, and then it's such a small detail, but it's so perfect and I love it. Um, the, the belt buckle logo, I, I believe it's from the city flag. Um, and it's the, the torch with the stars around it. And it's just full chef's kiss. It's awesome. I'm such a big fan. I, um, of the original, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think this is the Flojo uh, version, kind of the eight points in eight point one seconds, whatever that was. That 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 version of, of the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Um, I was less a fan of the pinstripes growing up because I just thought that other one was just so strikingly cool. With again, kind of that diagonal diagonal cut across across the course of it, um, with kind of the yellow and the white. So yeah, I, I'm a big fan of some Pacers looks, and this is definitely a Pacers look that'll show up on my list elsewhere. Um, so Ooh, yeah, anything else? Okay. Anything else? Anything else about this one? Ah, uh, no. It's I mean, it's just very straightforward and to the point, and uh, I, I think that's a good thing in some cases when you look like you. And I hate to use the term "quote unquote" should, um, but but when you're identifiable, I guess is kind of the, the yeah. key thing for me there. Being identifiable, yeah. I think that's always a good look. That's timeless. Totally, totally. Four. Oh, you can. Uh, my number four is the Phoenix Suns, the Valley. Um, mm. I, I feel like this one got a lot of raves when it came out, and I really am a fan, and I'm sure you can speak to this a lot more intelligently, of the actual design elements involved, the kind of big sunset aspect, the kind of blocky, almost like... Um, whatever that breaker kind of video game is. It's like, so it's supposed to be like Camelback mountain or one of the mountains. It's, it it almost looks like there should be like a flying Hawk, you know, Mm -hmm. in the sun, in the sunset or something like that. It very much looks like a, um, kind of a traditional kind of artist rendition of kind of the Valley around here. And I just, my hang up with this, my hang up with both the O'Grady Suns versions or any Suns versions, I just don't like the Suns in black. I would have preferred for this to be purple. I'm knocking it down several spots because for them to lead with the kind of black for black sake is just suboptimal to me. <laughs> um, it, 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 I didn't. I mean, even in the Barkley versions, I just didn't like starting with the black. But it's it's um, it's creative and and frankly. I just got to be honest, maybe you feel differently. There's something really amateurish about the Suns on the shorts to me. It looks swap meatish to me. It looks almost like when the Cleveland Browns had Cleveland kind of in, their, in large letters. There's something about it that just doesn't look right. It looks like casual wear or something, and I can't really put my finger on it. Uh, and I, I guess they wanted to incorporate kind of their Starbur- Starburst Suns logo at the bottom, but it's it's too much. Like to me, the fade would have been great. As I'm looking at it now, there's the purples in there. I like quite a bit about it. And on some level, it kind of looks like a a, a mountain pattern, but on another level, it can be like houses or pueblos or anything like that. It, it's a really creative design to me. I like it. I I it'd be number one to me if it was in purple and if the shorts were a little bit different. 
I think it's interesting that you bring up the shorts um, because that's really the only thing that held this off of my top five list. Um, I think the jersey itself, fantastic. Um, it's kind of got a little bit of kind of stylistically what people love about the uh, the Denver Nuggets rainbow skyline. Mm-hmm. It's got a little bit of that flavor to it. Um, but and I, you mentioned Tom O'Grady, the the longtime NBA creative director who designed that original sunset. Um, and I think he he made a comment, and it might have actually been about the Sun City edition. His but, episode uh, with Titonia World is found wherever podcasts are sold. Be sure to check out the Tom O'Grady podcast episode entitled "Enter the Swamp Dragon." Sorry, go ahead. Love that episode, by the way. <laughs> Um, but, but he, he made a comment and I think it was about this, uh, the sun city edition that the Jersey is the picture and the shorts are the frame. And, and I think it's a wonderful picture in a terrible frame. That's great. And it's just the, the the shorts, like you said, it's, I'm not good with art terms, but for some reason, like it's got these just kind of weird neo brutalism vibes where they've just kind of, crammed you know a gradient and shoehorned it into some side panels and then we've got you know a logo with a rotated word mark and it's just it just feels very very off when you look at the shorts but when you almost nascar almost nascar in a way like 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 it's a a sponsor almost is the suns or something a little bit absolutely that that's a good comparison and and it just kind of throws it off a, a little bit especially when you're looking at it from a basketball lens yeah, what's your number three? I don't. I don't want to take ten minutes on each one of them. Although I think we probably will. <laughs> but this, but this, I don't know. I, don't, I never know how fascinating this is to anybody else. This is fascinating to me. So yeah, um, uh, what, Brian, what's your number three? I was gonna say I, I could probably talk about this all day, so I'll try and keep it brief. But uh, no, no, do your do your thing. Do your thing. Three. The Memphis Grizzlies. Um, and, and that's one that I think again they've kind of done a good job of weaving something relevant about their brand. Um, kind of the the typical trim pattern that they've reintroduced recently um, in with an icon from the city of Memphis. And, and so you've got some familiar aspects with um, kind of a bit of a lesson. Like you, I, I learned something about the city of Memphis um, in dissecting this uniform. And, and so then you've got, you know, the, um, the vertical string pinstriping kind of sublimated pattern. You've got the, I believe it's the stacks records. Uh, word mark and yeah. so there's just kind of a lot of fun little nuggets in there that uh, I think comprise a, a really sharp look for them I like this one a lot were you aware or were you around for kind of the controversy of the Memphis Grizzlies bear being kind of a ripoff of the Chicago bear kind of bear staring at you logo when uh, I, I've kind of I crossed paths with that on the internet not terribly long ago but I wasn't I wasn't around for that originally I mean I'm from the Midwest people from Chicago were mad about it at the time, <laughs> but, uh, but I don't know. I, I like the Grizzlies as I'm looking at the shorts now too. I, I it, it, it owes, I, looking at it, it, it owes a little bit of a debt to kind of some of the recent kind of OKC kind of renderings of a, there's a lot of similarities there, but just design element by de- design element. There's just a lot of interesting golden black works tends to work anyway. And so gold and black with this kind of, again, that's probably why I'm thinking of the native American aspects because kind of the teal jade kind of, kind of aspect just kind of evokes some of these things, but there's a lot going on. If the bucks Irish rainbow looked as good or the modern version of the rainbow is, as all these 
pieces of flare or whatever you would call it down the side panels, I'd just be ecstatic. Like, I, I don't know what it says, but I, 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 for, for being a Jersey set, that's kind of busy. I, I just think they really pulled it off. And that's the extent that I can articulate it. I think that that's perfectly said. And anytime you can kind of capture all of that in a way that's not too busy, it's, it's just busy enough to keep things interesting. I think you've done your job. Three. My number three is Lakers and yawn. Yeah, I know. Um, I just feel like the the Lakers word mark is is so timeless, and because so much of I probably should have asked this. I wrote this down somewhere. I should have asked you. I think your answer would have been yes, but I should have asked you: Should the city editions exist? Uh, because <laughs> because I'm totally fifty fifty. I'm sure you, as a designer, just enjoy kind of looking at different pieces of art and evaluating. To me, like I'd be happy if they didn't do any of this stuff. Um, and so my more conservative nature with with this with uniforms you give me the kind of the classic forum blue you give it an all white that i haven't seen before i'm totally fine with taking something that's a very classic template and making it all white or making it a different color or doing different versions of it because again and i feel like a lot of the pushback to any kind of my uniform tyranny is like well they have to sell jerseys and i'm like well sell it all white sell it all black do something but don't don't completely, you know, sell out your legacy for for a couple of bucks. And so, with that being said, I, there's almost nothing to say. It's 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 a classic kind of look. It looks timeless. And seeing as how they have to sell Lakers jerseys to the billions and billions of rabid um, Lakers ex Warrior fans, like I just like it. I think it's I think it's pretty cool. See now that that's one that actually snuck into my bottom five. No, don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> don't tell me. <laughs> but that's great. That that's great. Go go for it. And, and and so it's one of those things that I I think in a vacuum I think it's a, a great looking uniform, or not a great looking uniform. I, I I should I should backtrack on that. I think it's a presentable looking uniform. Um, but but especially in the city edition space, I, I think it kind of runs into a few issues. Um, one, I, I think the color combination. It, it's obviously it's. It's not purple and gold. It's not the Lakers. Um, and, and so to bring in a color palette that they haven't worn for nearly 60 years, I, I think that's kind of kind of a question mark there, um, especially when they have a classic edition that is, you know, a direct translation of, I think, probably the, the uniforms from the same era. Um, and, and then on top of that, those colors that they've selected, the, the powder blue and kind of that off gray, they don't really contrast very well. And so I think when you, you know, when you watch it on TV, it's kind of a, it doesn't really pop the way that especially that blue, Mm. uh, white on blue classic edition does. And and then really one of the things, because the the Lakers have had, they've been three for three uh, the last three seasons in my mind, leading up to this, as far as city edition goes Um, with the, the Mamba jerseys, the first year, um, the one I'm probably in the minority, but the the purple with black pinstripes, the Magic Johnson ones, um, and then the were those the ones that look like pimpish pajamas? Those those are the ones that basically I'm trying to remember those now. There were one I, where I was, I was that the first LeBron year? Uh, okay, yes. go ahead. Yep, pimpish pajamas. That is a perfect. I think I love these uniforms even more now. Um, but so so I, <laughs> I thought those really. I mean, there are only so many ways that you can kind of pimp a Lakers uniform. And so I think, you know, throwing on those those pinstripes with, I think it had uh, Showtime in small lettering. 
um, and, and then kind of the the black with the the gold accents making everything kind of pop. Um, I, I think that worked really well. And then last year's were the uh, Shaquille O'Neal ones, and, and so each one kind of had some some hints and details that were relevant to the player that they were honoring. Whereas this one, I, aside from you know Elgin Baylor's signature on the jock tag, that there's there's really nothing. Um, and so that, to me, in, in a space where there's so much room for exploration and detail, it just feels very um, kind of void of that. Interesting. In your opinion, how much do... Because I guess kind of my beef with some of these smaller design elements is they look really great when shot with a DLSR, you, you know, like the... the the short logo or kind of little Isaac Hayes signature and all these things that look really cool, but you never see them. How much, how much does that affect whether, whether a set is really working for you? I I think kind of the, the litmus test for me, and I'm interested to get your opinion as well is, you know, you turn on the TV or, or you, you know, once we're allowed back in arenas, once you go to a game um, kind of in the, the normal environment in which you consume it, how does it look in that state? Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of the kind of little details are, are nice. Um, but they, I don't think that they really on a large scale make or break a uniform. Um, I think they become problematic, um, in an instance where like the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, their kind of the, the exclusive detail on them is the little like kind of patches down the shorts where in the promo yes. shots, it looks really neat. It's cool. Um, but you turn on a TV and you're never going to notice it. And, yeah. and so that's all kind of a lot of, you know, spinning your wheels and, and spending a lot of time on design. That's not actually going to, um, you know, meet the consumer. Who? <laughs> Number two is the golden state warriors. Oh, not on my list. Okay, go ahead. And, and these, I, I, I thought they looked great when I, when I saw them on TV the first time. And then, that was one of those times I kind of clued in a little bit more on, on, on the Twitter sphere and the internet really doesn't seem to like these um, for a number of reasons. And I'm, I'm curious to know kind of your thoughts on them as well, because it seemed like you, you may be a little down on them. Political um, reasons. So I, I don't have any political reasons for not liking them. Apparently like there's a whole don't call us Oakland. If you're going to leave Oakland kind of gentrification kind of angle that I just found out about last week. Um. Right. That, that was exactly, I think we probably read about the same article and, and that was kind of the first introduction to me where it was like, Ooh, these, these are much more polarizing than, you know, just do you like this basketball Jersey or not? Um, and, and it's one of those things where I get, and, and I think it was an interview with um, the, the designer who had designed their previous Oakland city editions. Um, and, and I get, you know, being a, a lifelong you know, you live in the city of Oakland, you're a fan of Oakland sports teams to have that ripped away from you and, and, you know, transplanted to San Francisco. I, I get the frustration there and there are many layers to that. Um, but I feel like, you know, especially I, I could see it just as easily being, okay, you know, they went across the bridge to San Francisco and then they forgot about us and never acted like we existed. And, and so I, I think that's, you know, the, the Warriors are kind of in a, a bad position of, you know, if they do it, they get chastised. If they don't do it, they get chastised. And so I think they're kind of in a, an interesting position there. Um, but then also from a basketball standpoint, 
you know, you, you look at these and, and we acknowledged, you know, a few moments ago that these are a tool to generate income. Um, and so I feel like it's a, a kind of a useless exercise or, or an exercise in futility to, um, you know, get mad at businesses for conducting themselves as businesses. Yeah. And, and so if we're going to, you know, get mad about their city edition and, and one of those things that brings in revenue, especially in a time where, you know, that arena that was supposed to print money for them has no fans in it. Um, you know, who, who, who's their owner? Uh, Joe Lacobe? Is he yeah. the, um, they, they acquired Kelly Oubre over the off season and he's making $14 million a year. And, and so to acquire him, they're paying the luxury tax. How much does it cost them for this single season of Kelly Oubre out of, out of this man's pocket? Right. It cost $82 million for this season of Kelly Oubre. And, and so, you know, if, if you have to pander to a crowd to, to, you know, sell a few more of these Oakland city editions, I hate to say I hate to say I get it, but I get it. Um, and, and so if if you're upset about that and kind of outraged at you know them kind of going in this direction and trying to sell a few more uniforms, then at the same time you can't be you know yelling at this man to you know improve the roster and keep spending 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 into the luxury tax because those two things are, are very dichotomous. That's very well said, and this let this be a reminder to everyone that people who pretend like they love you, they don't really love you, right? Like, like they, they did everything for that team. They stumbled into a bunch of stuff. They did the whole Durant thing. And analytics Twitter was just never for a second to, for me to get on my soapbox for a minute. No one ever said, well, this is going to be bad for the game. It's like, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to see numbers we've never seen before. And they had Durant uh, looking like a knucklehead with his hard hat for an, for an arena he was never going to play at. <laughs> you know, they did the best they can. Like I, I'm not pro owner generally, but but yeah, I wish I I wish I had to run like Warriors fans had. Um, specifically with these uniforms, my objection to these. This is almost the number one thing to me, and I'm looking at it now, and it doesn't look that bad. And the original version of it, of course, as everyone remembers, said Warriors, and they were shiny for the Jason Richardson kind of era. This is a beloved era in Warriors history. I think they were wearing these where they beat the one seed Mavericks, the Dirk Mavericks, that uh, kind of Stephen Jackson kind of we believe team. We believe, yes, sir. Yeah, I, I believe that's I believe that's right. I'm trying I'm trying to think who exactly was on that team, but it was Jason Richardson kind of kind of all those guys. Um, did they have like a, they had like a Russian kind of, who was the guy who, who like got the yips and then was kind of out of the league. Cause they had a guy oh, who was Andres Beadrins. Yeah. I associate him again. It's probably racist, but I associate him a little bit with AK 47 in a similar kind of way in my head at the time. It was like, yeah, this other guy. And cause I remember he looked really good in that series too. And then he was just kind of out of the league. Um, with that being said, which the reason that you don't ever want your franchise to wear a clown set is you might randomly be successful in that area and then people will have a level of affection for garbage uniforms to the end of time. So I am thrilled that the Bucks did not win a title wearing Cream City or some such nonsense because although I'd be ecstatic that we won a title, we don't we would have won a title looking like clowns. And so I understand why everybody in that area who was actually a Warriors fan, because again, it becomes, I'm just guessing it becomes a signifier that this is when the team was real. This is when the city's team, this is when we had some of the loudest fans and all this kind of stuff. And so I'm sure that Oakland fans feel 
I, I said this on Locked on Bucks. We're, the, the Bucks were very analogous to the Warriors in this time period in that they had really loud fans and a fan base that really cared. And so just a couple playoff series were all they had to hang their hat on. Um, looking at it, there's nothing too terrible. I understand it's a nostalgia play. I understand all of that. To me, though, I hated at the time that they went. I remember th- like that the, the Oakland Warrior which was kind of like a nondescript warrior that was kind of compared to like McFarland spawn or, or, you know, kind of the, the Icarus or whatever, like whatever they were comparing it to at the time. But I just, I, I, I was just a fan of run TMC and kind of all the legacy and even going back to kind of wilt in these teams. And this was their nineties, but again, this was their nineties dalliance. This was their flirtation with the nineties. They did it a little bit later. They did it right around the same time as the books and they never should have done it. I was going to say, and to your point earlier, I, I came in right after Run, Run TMC. And, and so this was, I've always known the Warriors as that team with the kind of the, the dazzle fabric and the, the darker mm-hmm. navy. Um, but like you said, I mean, they, they departed from kind of one of the more classic and timeless looks. And, you know, where are they today? Well, they're, they're kind of right back in the, you know, the city and, and that classic royal and gold. Um, and, and so I think kind of for the, for the time piece of, you know, one season, I, I think this, um, it's kind of a nice change of pace from, you know, they've got a, a white association, the Royal icon and the, uh, the gold, the Bay statement. Um, so it kind of rounds out the yeah. set nicely with, you know, a, a fourth kind of unique and different color. I'm so glad this came up. What's your opinion on roundels am i pronouncing that rightly i've only ever seen it written but basically the circular kind of i i think they do it best but just basically having a circle in the center of your kit uh, i think i would agree that they absolutely do it the best um I, I think there are some kind of ways for that to go wrong um the, the i'm trying to think of other roundels um the the nick city edition this year is kind of the first one or the most recent one that comes to mind Oh, that's on my list. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> um, more, more on that later. I'm trying to think of any others, though, but I, I think it's one of those things where a team like the Warriors kind of has cornered the market on that. Um, and so I think the kind of the next team that transitions to it, you know, you kind of have to put your own spin on it. And so I guess kind of the, the closest current one I can think of is like the, the Pacers on their association and icon um, with like the, the roundel text. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, if, if you're going to do it, you kind of have to make it your own in some way like that. Me and my buddy were, this is years ago, me and my homie were in New Jersey and we were at some kind of swap meet. Um, and it must have been a bootleg, but it might not have been a bootleg because, you know, just the, the state of outfitting was just different back then. But I, I bought like kind of like a shooting shirt, like kind of a big heavier, almost like almost like a um almost like a terry cloth kind of shirt that was like the old the city before the city was everywhere and i was like oh this is cool it's kind of like a circular bridge and my my homie got like like an atlanta black crackers kind of shirt or there was all this negro league stuff and there was all this kind of kind of different merch and so i was always kind of fascinated um by the city as a thing way before the city came roaring back and so i i think out of all the teams that, I mean, some of my videos are about this, out of all the teams that kind of wandered around in the wilderness and came back to what they should be doing, I, I feel like the Warriors just timed it perfectly and they had this great, you know, this great kind of comeback to their identity moment. It's not like my favorite look in the world. Also, you would know their numbers are different this year, yeah? 
Yes, sir. They are they are no longer the uh, the copper plate gothic. They've transitioned to something kind of a little uh, a little smoother, a little crisper. What a pull by you. That's why you're the expert. That's why you're on. Because again, I'm just like, does this this? It's like, it, but it's, it's it's different. I was like, this is. And I, I we were watching. It must have been the Christmas Day game. And I asked my wife. I was like, that looks wrong, right? And she's like, shut up. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah yeah okay. So that's different. So, so so would you say that's an upgrade or a downgrade? I'd say it's a downgrade, but I really wouldn't know. I really, okay. it, I, it seems thinner. It seems more frail, I guess I couldn't put, but I, I completely accept that if I'd seen the other way first, I would have liked the other way. I, I just feel like if you have to change something, that's not the worst thing to change. But I, I frankly, and this goes against much of my ideology. I think for the most part, the Warriors becoming this just Comet team streaking through the sky for five years. I've liked that city stuff, the, the one that says the town or whatever that says. I like the one that kind of has whatever that design pattern that looks like an oak tree or the, something. Oh, yes, I, the city of Oakland. I believe it's the seal, maybe the oak tree yeah. seal. Maybe, maybe it's like, I don't know if it's like, like the Brooklyn Park sign, but, but maybe they were like, they were saying it was like a highway sign or something. It's just the sign that's around Oakland, I thought. But I feel like there were some things that I didn't like. I very much did not like their all black kind of China, um, Chinese characters ones. And I didn't like, I don't like anything with sleeves. But for the most part, I've liked a lot of the things that they've done. Absolutely. And like you said, they kind of just struck right at the right time where they were just this great team, but they also had some great looks to pair with it. Who? Number two for me is the Memphis Grizzlies. There's not a whole lot else to say about it. Um, Tremendous trim, Isaac Hayes, the whole thing. So we is that our is that our first? Is it the first one we both had? The first overlap, and it's the that's last great. overlap. That's great. That's great. Cool. So what's what's your number? What's your number one city edition jersey for twenty twenty one? One perfect. Listen, if if you kick me off after this, I completely understand. Um, my my number one city edition, and this one has this is one of those ones that. As soon as I saw it, I thought it had no business on an NBA court. Um, and I've entirely come around to it. The Brooklyn Nets. Chaos reigns. And, the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. And, and maybe I've just been conditioned. I've been watching a lot of their games ever since Harden showed up in town. Um, but but there is, again, living in that space of one season only, there's just, for me, there's a lot to like there. Um, and, and kind of... To start that off, um, one thing you mentioned, and we've kind of talked about it and hit on it time and again, is that kind of identifiability. Um, and so for a team that is, you know, kind of a very simple and straightforward black and white color scheme, um, there's really only so many ways that you can flip that. Mm-hmm. But I think this year is kind of a really nice extension. Um, the previous two years, they've had the the black and the white with the the multicolor Kuji pattern. Um, inspired by Biggie. Yep. And, and so it kind of you get a little bit of an extension of that multicoloring in the side panels. Um, you've got the kind of the subtle herringbone print pattern all over. Um, I was going to ask, because I'm looking at it now, and I was like, is that herringbone or is that like a tire tread kind of thing? So I'm right. glad, I'm glad well, you said that. So so it is herringbone, and that's actually, um, if, if memory serves me correctly, it's kind of weaved in very subtly to the trim on their association and icon edition jerseys. Um, down the side paneling and and so one thing that and I don't even know if it's what they intended it for but there's a kind of an iconic portrait 
set of, of Basquiat from the early 80s. And it's he didn't have a ton of pictures taken of him, but this is one kind of well-known set. Um, and he, he's wearing a, a herringbone blazer and matching pants set. And, and so I don't know if it, it's an allusion to that, um, but that kind of tied it in a little bit between their current identity and, you know, something that I associate with, with the artist himself. Um, and, and then you've got kind of some of the other, you know, the word marks and the, the Brooklyn, New York on the shorts that are in his style, uh, the signature crown on the shorts, um, Brooklyn Nets being located in Kings County, New York. Um, and so there's just kind of a lot of, I, I, I don't know. And, and then coupled all of that, you put it on their, their grayscale court, which I have entirely different opinions about, but there's something about it with those few pops of color, the grayscale court, um, even the contrast trim on the, the collar and armhole, as well as the, the Nike swoosh. Um, I don't know. I, I've fallen for it. I love it. It's fantastic. See, so much of, and I agree with a lot of that. I actually do agree with a lot of that. I think what you want in sports is one or two teams that are iconoclastic or or push the envelope, um, like you know, like the Astros used to, or or you know, the Bucks, or even like you know, kind of original versions of the Cavs. I think Cavs were one of the first teams that kind of did that kind of almost checkerboard kind of side panel kind of thing. I would totally accept, because you said, I've never considered that, that it, that it is, it would be an interesting thing, both kind of in the art community and given that Brooklyn is monochrome, if Brooklyn was the team that was allowed to go on these wild kind of diversions, I, I just don't want everyone to do it. <laughs> um, you, you know, <laughs> like it, it, to me, then it just defeats the purpose, but it is kind of a cool thing. I, I like the kind of, I was going to say graffiti, but it almost looks almost kind of more like a chalk kind of look to the BK Lynn um, kind of kind of word mark kind of thing. I did find what is what is because I'm sure it's just Basquiat iconography that I'm not super aware of the sort of almost colon to kind of bracket thing, bracketing the nets where it's like one is yellow and one is blue. I, I really like that. I, I, I think that's cute. Um, so there's a lot to like there. No. So I know I, I I think this probably would have ended up maybe seventh or eighth on my list, but yeah, this, and I liked it on the court too. Just wanted to break in here during editing to say that when I said I like it on the court too, I meant the jerseys and shorts. I like them on the court too. And of course not the grayscale court, which no one should like back to the show. Yeah, no, I like it on the court too. I like it on the court too. Interesting because I that was one that I, I kind of instantly pegged as as mm, this is not for me and and I think a lot of others kind of shared that sentiment early on but I'm I'm surprised to see it's kind of warming up on on not only myself but but others as well. But see, attractive primary colors still play to me, and so even though this says nothing like Brooklyn Nets, I mean, look, Brook, and again, I'm probably giving Brooklyn a little bit of a mulligan because they exist in this in this space next to the Knicks, and the Knicks are. Not on the court, but the Knicks are basically serve as the counterpart to the Yankees and the Giants as like the grown-up teams in, in the city. And Brooklyn is is the one who has to do other stuff. I mean, I, I think, frankly, it's not, a, I guess it's not a city edition jersey, but there's just something so much about nostalgia that like the Drazen Petrovic kind of jerseys, you know, sets like the kind of tie-dyed almost, I don't know what you'd call that. It's basically just a straight throwback that they're wearing would be, would be on this list if this was on, you know, if this qualified. Mm -hmm. 
But I just think Brooklyn is the team who has to do something else. And so it's kind of cool to me because, again, what I don't want is for a team to have, let's say Brooklyn is red and white, but then they're the team that wears all these other crazy colors. But to me, because black and white is basically the absence or the, you know, almost the absence of color, then it's like, yeah, go ahead and go ahead and be creative with it. But even compared to Denver, because we talked about, because I, I, just spoiler alert, Portland shows up in my bottom five. I, I just feel like the, the side panels here uh, with the light blue and the yellow are so much more attractive than kind of what, to me, Portland did, which is like just some browns and some earth tones and some, you know, just it, it, it looks like a lunchroom to me. And so, yeah, I, no, that's a, I think that's a worthy number one. I didn't make my list, but that's, yeah, but I'm glad we got to talk about it. One. Perfect. So my number one. My number one, the number one city edition jersey, number one for the bullet, number one without thinking about it, is the San Antonio Spurs. Um, the Fiesta Spurs. You got the orange, you got the pink, you got the teal, I, I'm guessing. And, and it's still a lot of black. So there's still a lot of black there for the contrast. It is bold. It's, it's just kind of jaunty, swashbuckling kind of font. Even, and now this is really sacrilegious. Dude. Even the advertiser's patch kind of complements things a little bit. The advertiser's <laughs> patch is kind of like, it's kind of, it matches. Like, I like at least all these terrible patches, like the GE with the Celtics at least matched, you know? And and so that Frost logo kind of accents the eye, and the, the eye in San Antonio also kind of has a little flourish thing to it. The Fiesta Spurs, the Spurs are the most boring brand just about in sports. And again, we're talking about a black and white team. It's a black and silver team. And yet they had this shadow identity that never came out. And I just thought they did it really well. They didn't try to do, and this is, I hate it when the Bucks do it, or I hate when other teams do it. They didn't try to say, we're going to kind of merge the two errors and just throw a bunch of stuff together. No, this was a, this was a thing they gave their fans, I would assume, exactly the thing that they never had. And so, and I just think, it, and I just think it's darn attractive. Like, pardon my French, but it's darn attractive, right? And so, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I like the Spurs. Rebu- your rebuttal. It's no, it's 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 sharp. It's I would definitely say it's in the top half of things. Um, kind of my one personal gripe because I I've long championed for you know a return to to the Fiesta colors. Um, since it is such a kind of direct translation of their their eighties warm ups. Um, it, it just feels kind of like an afterthought. Um, I, I think there's kind of a fine line between fiesta and, and siesta, and it kind of <laughs> fully straddles that boundary for me, unfortunately. Um, so, 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 without a doubt, that will be that will be in the opening, <laughs> the opening <laughs> montage. I'm gonna uh, see right here. Yes, definitely one hour and four minutes. Yes, we're putting that in there. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Brian. <laughs> But uh, but it is, I mean, for, for having those exciting colors, especially for, like you said, a franchise that's kind of been as as boring or straight-laced as the Spurs over the years, um, it, it's definitely definitely kind of a welcome change of pace. Um, but it feels like they left a little bit on the table. When, when you have those colors, there's kind of some different, you know, hopefully exciting and or new ways to, to employ those in their identity. Um, and so I would have been, and, and this is, again, this is kind of me being greedy, I believe. Um, but I just would have liked to have them seen them do something kind of new or different with it. Um, but at the same time, like, and that's kind of how I feel like city edition each year kind of becomes this fun, like, all right, let's see, you know, which ones are good, which ones are bad. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, like the, the the bottom line is they they did make a very nice looking uniform, which I think we can agree that we would absolutely take that over, you know, them trying something new and fun and different that uh, that unfortunately kind of crashes and burns. What is your opinion? On it seems to be a couple of teams are allowed. I think this was a thing when Utah first came with their mountain set, which I'm ideologically opposed to. But like Denver does this now, right? There seem to be some teams that are allowed to kind of take the template and give it three or four remixes before they move on to something else. And my inclination, not being in any way a design expert or an artist, is that, hey, at least if you get a template that you like, go ahead and try it with different colors as opposed to just trying to strike gold for 30 teams every single year. But I'm guessing you disagree with that. Yes. Yes and no. I, I think when you when you have a good formula um, and, and that formula works, then, then I understand it, uh, especially in light of you know, like we said, this is a tool that's designed to, you know, sell merchandise. Um, and, and with the, like the Nuggets being a, a prime example there, Skyline City Edition, obviously the the original or kind of the throwback merchandise has been so prominent over the years that, I mean, they're just going to keep, you know, churning these out and keep, you know, raking in the money. Um, and, and from a design standpoint, purely, I think that, you know, they've kind of gotten worse over the years, like this current Red Rocks one, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of, especially with them being so geographically close to, to Utah, who's just kind of done the, you know, yellows and oranges and reds theme. It, it, it doesn't really strike me as identifiably nuggets, um, but it can still be, it can still be a sharp looking uniform. Um, so, so, so the greedy part of me wants something, you know, new and shiny every single season, but at the same time, from kind of a practical and a business standpoint, I think it makes a lot of sense to to hopefully if you do find that right formula. But I think that like we've seen, some teams haven't necessarily found the right formula. Um, like I look at the the gray version of the the Washington Wizards uniforms, the city edition this season, and like the the, the white version last year was. I mean that was fine. I didn't mind it, but but then you just kind of you know throw a gray base on that for for really no intentional right. reason, and, and that's where it's like okay, you know, as an elite design company as as Nike or you know the league offices or any sort of independent firms that they're bringing in, I, I think that they can put a better product on the court that would also generate more revenue coming from the fans. So you as a designer, your inclination, what would your inclination for that be? Because I. I do agree they have a little bit of a problem because it's it's the nation's capital and it's red, white, and blue. And I would think the only thing that they could really do is what they've done, which is give some versions that are a little bit more white. And I guess they could, I I mean, I guess what they could do is have some, some aspects that are a lot more red and white and less blue, and then do some others that are basically all blue and white with hints of red. And I mean, obviously you can do some of these things endlessly, but I do feel that the gray isn't it, you know, but, but that goes to kind of the problem of them having to just churn out, churn out so many jerseys. I mean, say what you want, but they've, to me, since they went back to basically their, their bullets look, you know, then, and, and, and I guess, you know what, let me ask this question. Cause this, I think this is probably a more foundational question because I really feel 
The NFL never went anywhere. Baseball never went anywhere. But basketball just in the silver era just started making up stuff. But I feel like the heyday around 2015 or to pick a year when a lot of the teams came back to their looks, including the Warriors, including, you know, 10 years before that, the Pistons, all these teams that we can name, even a set that I don't really like, but Utah started going to the kind of the treble clef. Base clef? Base clef, maybe? The the, the note jazz uh, thing. And, and so all the teams were kind of coming back. In your opinion, what do the next 10 years hold? Are, are we going, because at a certain point, I, I th- think I saw in the research for this, people are starting to say, well, you know, teams like the Pistons, well, they got to scratch that itch again because, you know, they went back and everything, but now can we try something else? Do you think in 10 years from now, a lot of the teams, in my opinion, have kind of nailed it? Like, will the Lakers wander off and try something else? That's a fascinating question. Um, and I, I kind of, I think we kind of think about that, especially with City Edition. I've kind of seen it floated out there a little bit with, you know, is this kind of a test program to, to see how new identities would fare, you know, going forward full time? Um, like, will the Miami Heat adapt the, you know, the Vice Edition, you know, as their full time look going forward? Um, and, and I think there is probably to a degree some of that where, you know, whether it's the league or Nike or a combination, um, kind of take inventory of these different kind of concepts that they float out, you know, once a year to, to see what the, the fan response is. Um, and, and so if you can, you know, generate some, some revenue there from what's essentially market research, potentially, um, I, I think that can really kind of provide you with a, a good informed um, direction in terms of what may or may not work going forward. And, and so personally, I, I'm interested to see because th- this season, let's see, whoa, let me get this straight. So this is the fourth, uh, fourth season of city edition. Next season is the league's 75th anniversary. Um, and, and the current rumor on that one is, uh, what is it, the, the mixtape editions that kind of combine each team's different eras. Oh. Um, and, and so then after that, you know. <laughs> that has the potential to be awful, but go ahead. Exactly. So, so there was a leaked Phoenix Suns one out there actually floating around the internet. So, so that would be an interesting one. Look that up when you get a chance. Um, okay. It, it definitely could be uh, one of those kind of hit or miss projects, a lot like City Edition. Um, so some buddies, uh, some design buddies of mine actually, and I, we put together a whole project where each of us had a couple different teams. And so that's out there. Uh, maybe we'll link it somewhere if possible, but uh, we put together, everybody drew two teams. And so we kind of went through their histories and tried to create, um, you know, those, we called them the heritage edition is is to not encroach on Nike's territory, but kind of following that same concept. And, you know, it it is difficult. And so that was a a fun project, but uh, to get back on topic and answer your initial question, like, no, yours, that, that was, I did, I, of course I did look at that and, and I, I thought yours were excellent. Go ahead. <laughs> well, thank you. I do appreciate that. But, uh, to get back to kind of the, the 10 year forecaster, um, I suspect a lot of teams will kind of start to wander off a little bit, a little bit again. Um, and, and I think that can be a very good thing. Um, you know, you, you look at some of the teams like you had mentioned, like the the Detroit Pistons, they've kind of been the same for 20 years or so. 
uh, the Dallas Mavericks, the Miami Heat. Um, and, and so I think, you know, some, some teams like that who have, um, maybe not recently in like the case of the Pistons, but who have had some sustained success in their current looks, um, they do kind of seem to be more firmly rooted in those things. Um, but there haven't been a ton of teams that have been, you know, terribly successful over the last two decades. You know, it's kind of been the same group of whatever, you know, six to eight teams maybe. And so I think that some of those other teams that are still searching for that identity, um, I think that they will kind of continue to explore and push the boundaries and, and move forward with the next iterations of their brands. Um, and hopefully that will involve some some new and exciting and, and ultimately good looks. Oh my goodness, this is terrible. I was totally listening to everything you said. What <laughs> what is this monstrosity? What is yeah. what 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 Frank what kind of Frankenstein nonsense is this? Tom O'Grady so I, is rolling over in his grave and he is still alive and well. I, I, I love how um Mr. O'Grady doesn't I feel totally understand Twitter. <laughs> like um <laughs> um I, I was I, I was completely thrilled that that he like put out some new, new design and I'm nobody. And he just added me, he added me in the books and I'm like the only civilian who he just says, Hey, what do you think about this? And I'm like, <laughs> man, you're the best. You should actually be uh, adding Paul Lucas with that. But, but I love our kind of <laughs> online, online friendship. Like sometimes he's DM me late at night with stuff. Um, so what I am looking at is the Paul Westfall nameplate the Steve Nash kind of oval surrounding the numbers, the Barkley numbers and some sort of fade. I don't know what you would call them. Triangles kind of thing on the sides, but it's, it's basically like that scene in whatever alien movie that was where like Ripley, like they take her DNA and they make like the, the alien that's like part human. And it's like just a monstrosity. It's literally an abomination what I'm looking at right now. So, <laughs> so thank you very much. I mean, I mean, maybe you like it, but, but it, no, it, it reminds me of the first time I went to a golden corral where you, you get in line there <laughs> and you're like, Oh yeah. You know, I, I like the chicken fingers. So, so you take some of those and then you move on down the line and, uh, I like the, you know, the burger and, and you get to the end of the line and you've taken all of these things that you like and you sit down and then you hate them all. And it's just, it, it's, it is over the top. It is overdone. And so hopefully that one is, is not representative of, uh, you know, that entire project. And, and maybe that, you know, it is a leak. Maybe that isn't a final version, um, but it, I'll be excited to see and, and kind of, you know, I'm kind of nervous, but we'll we'll kind of see how it turns out next year once we hopefully see those uniforms in action. Has anybody ever told you that you give great sound bites? Like, <laughs> I think great sound bites got away for speaking. So we're only halfway done with this. <laughs> um Cy, Cy at Articulo underscore 34. Cy, I know is a lister. He's he sent his list, his top five city editions. Number one, Memphis. Number two, Indiana. Number three, Phoenix. Number four, Chicago. We haven't talked about Chicago yet. And number five, Portland. So size list is much more simpatico with Brian's list. So with that being said, why don't you give us, um, why don't we go bottom to, why don't you give us your fifth, your fifth worst? Five, fight. Okay, for, for the sake of this one, I had kind of two tied that I, I wasn't sure which one I was going to go. I'll allow um, it. So, so I, I had the Lakers in there, but I'll since we already discussed them, I'll, I'll shift over to a different one, and that's the Orlando Magic. Um, Agreed. 
let me qualify by saying this. I don't think it's a bad looking uniform, but I think it's an atrocious Orlando, Orlando magic uniform. Yes. Um, and, and that's kind of a microcosm. I think of a lot of city edition where it, in a vacuum, it's not a bad looking basketball uniform. It's just not appropriate for the team wearing it. Um, and, and so, you know, when I look at and analyze, you know, what went into the creation of this uniform, it's like Adam Silver walked into, oh, what was it? Um, West Coast Customs and and Exhibit was there and he was like, you know, I need you to design these uniforms. And Exhibit was like, you know, okay, we heard Orlando has oranges and is in Orange County, so we made their uniform orange. And, And there's just no intentionality behind it. There's no design ethos other than, we took an Orlando Magic uniform, we made some of it orange, and for who knows what reason, we made the word mark say Orla instead of Orlando. There's just nothing that makes sense about it. Where do you come down on airport abbreviations versus other abbreviations versus just any of that? Uh, more often than not, I, I dislike them. I, I think a few of them work, but more often than not, I mean... Orla, uh, Cha, uh, even the Min. I know it's not an airport code, but the M I N N on the the Wolves City Edition this season, mm-hmm. it, they're in such a, a tough space because Minnesota and Timberwolves, just none of that fits neatly. But at the same time, Min is just such an awkward word mark. Um, but more often than not, I, I skew away from them. Where do you stand on it? I don't like it. At the same time, it's not a humongous deer head. So there, I, I feel like there is, cause, cause like, where did you come down on just the Atlanta Hawks kind of, I guess that's just their regular set. I think that was one of the reveals we got in the fall or whatever. And it was like, okay, these are kind of the basic numbers, kind of basic stock numbers and everything. And it's, so there's not, at least my opinion was, it's not a lot to love, but it was like, oh yeah, they look like the Atlanta Hawks. That's fine. Everything doesn't have to be kind of gaudy. And I feel like the more they almost look like football fonts. Like the, the, when, when if you say you're going to do something that says MKE or MIL or like you said ORD or any of these kind of things, I don't like them. But I feel like typically the ratio of word mark to number is appropriate and attractive, and it just looks like a basketball jersey. Now a lot of it does just kind of look templatey and not especially creative. But it's it's I'm lukewarm on all of it. Like I always imagine it could be worse, but it's like it's not great. Right. There is something kind of that visually works with it. But just kind of from a logistic standpoint, it's like ah, the airport code. No one refers to it as that. And so the idea of it's actually worse than, than the look of it, I think. Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah. The, the Orlando. I think I called them the tragic kingdoms and either I made that up or I stole it from somebody. <laughs> maybe I, maybe I saw that somewhere. I don't know, but it, it, it reminds me of that picture of Gwen Stefani, you know, from whatever video Gwen Stefani holding up the orange. I mean, that's just, just makes you think of, just makes you think of that. And it's just, yeah, yeah, n- not great. So my um, number five to keep the controversy, going, my fifth worst is the Indiana Pacers. Ooh. Dog, there's just something about it that I don't like. I don't like the blue. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's an optical illusion. I could probably get like a high quality picture and really look at it. But my uh, the impression that it gives off reminds me of something that you'd buy at like a Metro market. 
And in kind of the heyday, of, you know what? They just ran this guy on Twitter like a month ago about this, like the, the guy with the fake uh, Jordan jersey. <laughs> Did you see that? Uh, yes. Did you see that? It used to be, I mean, I guess that's still probably a thing. I'm sure that's a thing everywhere, but that you could just buy something that was like a, you know, a knockoff at like basically like an apple cart, you know, kind of thing. And it was just like before bootleg t-shirts, I guess bootleg t-shirts have always been a thing too, but there's something about it that just, I have, and this is a personal association. I have a personal association. I just feel like I've seen a knockoff Pacers Jersey like that before. And I feel like it's the kind of thing that you'd get outside of six flags or something like that. And so for whatever reason, I agreed. And I, 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 everything that you said when you were kind of, uh, lauding. I, I think those are Indiana's colors. I I tend to like navy in Indiana, and it goes kind of with my love of kind of the Michigan Wolverines kind of look. I, I liked very much that almost black navy that the Pacers wore in the Reggie Miller heyday. But something about this leaves me cold. I never think it's bad, but I have I have a reaction to it for whatever reason. And, and again, I just think it looks like a swap meet jersey. It, it is an unsettling shade of blue. That, that, that's a good point. I will concede that one. It almost looks like a, like a, like a suit that you'd wear or something. It's just something. And again, we're in the esoteric nonsense and I agree, but just something, I just, I, I had a reaction to it and it wasn't like, like a lot of my reactions where it's like, Oh, they shouldn't have done it, but just eh, don't quite like it. Do better pacers. So, so if you put that one in Navy, how does that shift the calculus? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's top five. Oh, wow. It's, it's, gotcha. Okay. But, but I didn't, but again, I did not like, the pinstripe pacers as much as some people, especially the yellow one. And it was all fine, but I just always felt like, oh, it's like 20% lesser than the other one. So I don't I don't love the pinstripe pacers as much as other people. Gotcha. Cool. What's your number four? Four. Fight. The the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh yeah. And, and I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier. Um, you know, one of the central details is the the patches on the shorts. They're just small and you don't see them. Um but the word mark, and I'm not in touch enough with, and I think that's actually kind of the point. I'm not in touch enough with rock music and their iconic logos to, to really dissect that. But as, as someone who's not really in the know, once I see that, they picked some of the, the lesser iconic letters from these iconic logos. Like, like I think of like, and, and obviously there's no M in Cleveland, but like the Metallica, you've got kind of that, that lightning bolt effect on the M. Um, but, but to me, there's nothing that's really, really genuinely identifiable there to the casual eye. And, and so I think mm-hmm. that, you know, being one of the, the central details that, that is supposed to, you know, illuminate kind of the, the city and, and what it's about, it just kind of falls on its face because it's not really, um, practical i almost feel like they should have just went full ransom note and just had them look like cutouts like i almost think it would have went up a whole letter grade for me if it actually just looked like they copy and pasted it but yeah i totally i totally agree and i didn't i didn't know what they were doing until later and so maybe that's a little bit of a rule if you have to explain it it doesn't totally work um that's that that's very much my objection to many of the things not just the bucks do but just other teams do where they're like no, you don't get it. It's this Easter egg thing. No, you see, this is actually a piece of the Mecca floor. Or this is actually this. And it's like, yeah, but I don't like it. It's still a D plus, you know? And so it, it, I don't know. I don't, I don't like anything that Cleveland's doing lately anyway. I don't know why they settled on 
post LeBron kind of the look that they did. But yeah, I just it didn't make my bottom five. But yeah, I don't like that. And they have it seems like they have such an identity crisis as it is. So I think that adds a little bit of a, a challenge to you know when you don't have a, a strong identity to build off of. Once you get into the the lawless wasteland of City Edition, you know what do you do? Um, but yeah, not not their best uh, not their best uniform of the last four years. And this goes back to the question I asked a couple of questions ago. I understand why you would reject this. I think just we have too many jerseys and a five year reset. The way to save sports in this very small way, in my opinion, is simply to relax the rules on throwbacks and go back to a home and a road and just allow throwbacks for a while and let the Nike contract churn out or, or not. But to me, people keeps like, these are all arbitrary rules. These are all rules that people came up with. Cleveland's got a lot of interesting sets. They wore every single one of them during the LeBron era. They can wear that. They they can wear that stuff for a while to me. Um, But you know, Cleveland's a whole other thing. So my number four and ideologically, this could have been number one because I really hate what it stands for. is the Oklahoma City loves gas station set. (laughs) Um, What I do not want at all. And yes, there's some precedent for this in sports. And yes, uh, the entirety of the Milwaukee fans are in outrage that the Brewers no longer play in Miller Park. And Miller Park was a stadium with a team that wore a hat that was a Miller M. You know, and there's Bushfield and all this kind of stuff, but especially in the NBA, I I just don't. I, I think it's a very creeping thing that that sports uh, branding aficionados should reject is somebody saying I'm going to come up with a a kit that looks like your business, and I don't particularly care for the design anyway. But I just reject what this what this stands for on every level. And I almost think that for what they were trying to do, I don't want to say it's well done, but if you want me to think of this gas station, which is like a truck stop kind of thing, because I don't know, something about the very thin lines of, it looks like orange throughout the blue, something about it looks like gas station styling. Um, The bottom part of it looks like Oklahoma State or something or whatever kind of black and orange team, but... I just reject what this is doing. And so it probably should have been my number one, but I put Oklahoma city at four. So is the, is the inspiration behind that uniform, the the loves gas station, or is that just kind of a convenient, like it just happens to kind of play into that. There are no coincidences. I don't know. I don't know. know. (laughs) And I think that goes back to your point of, you know, if you have to explain it to me, it's not that good. Um, and like you said, I think that's another good point that it does look a lot like Oklahoma State. Um, and I think they, what is it, the the Nike N7, um, I think, for like the, the Native American history. There are some college programs that wear that blue. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those that I, I think they've kind of hit the mark on some of the, the Native inspired in previous years. But but this one just, it looks a little, a little NASCAR-y, I believe. Yes, that's another good way of putting it. That's just the patch clashes with the other things, but it's all of a piece. I mean, it's I think it's very well integrated in a sense. I, I it it looks like a gas station, <laughs> so, so whatever. So we're going super long, man, and that's totally cool. But get, go ahead, give me your number three. Three, the Houston Rockets. 
And oh. I visually, I don't think it's a bad looking uniform. Um, you know, when you turn on the TV, it's not offensive. But I, I tried to do some research on this one. I couldn't find any anything behind the inspiration for it. Um, and I think that's because nobody was willing to go on record and say that they were just trying to emulate the Houston Oilers. Um, oh, they didn't the, admit that, huh? <laughs> they didn't I, admit I, that? I, I, I thought that's got to be what it is. I, I thought so too, but I, I couldn't find it in writing. Um, but even lie and say, like, like, I think some astronaut suits are like a light blue. Say, say it has something to do with NASA. Um, yeah. But th- th- there's no real inspiration behind it or no real identifiable connection to the city of Houston. Um, but, but then also, and, and this is kind of the, the designer and me nitpicking, um, you, you've got the, the collar and armhole trim is solid Navy. The, the waistband trim is red and white. And then the bottom of the shorts trim is solid Navy with a little bit of red piping. Hmm. And, and, and so you, you get to, I mean, you look at the word uniform, um, and, and kind of all that is just the antithesis of, of what a uniform really is. There's no uniformity across that. Right. Um, and so my OCD, it just drives me nuts. I don't hate this one, <laughs> but you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, Houston is such a clown show. Like if you want to look at the difference between like the Kansas city chiefs as a team that embraced their mustard and yellowness and the rockets who just couldn't get away from it fast enough after holding fast, um, you know, the H-Town thing is whatever. I- I've always kind of liked sort of the baby blue with red kind of uh, San Diego Clippers, kind of early Clippers, kind of, kind of. And of course, I mean, the, the Oilers. I mean, I think it's an attractive look that's underutilized. But yeah, H-Town, it's it's boring and I can totally see that. There are the shorts. Yeah, I was trying to look at the shorts. Yeah, not not great. Three. Oh, you can. Number three for me, and you have to know how much it pained me. It pained me. It, it just it, it just hurt my soul to not put the Milwaukee Bucks as number one. <laughs> but the Milwaukee Bucks are the third worst here. Um, you know, what can be said about the Bucks uniforms? It hasn't been said about any the Hindenburg or any number of crises. <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks shouldn't be wearing blue. Uh, these are derivative of the kind of the Sean Kemp calves. It's it's weird. Uh, the Bucks colors just typically just the, the Bucks players, the Bucks colors do not play well together. And so they consistently have to put out one where the blue is everywhere. Well, where's the green? Like, I, like I hate the blue and the green together, but how come none of our sets look like the Mavericks? I mean, you chose to look like the Mavericks. Are, are you not going to do that ever really? You know, and, and it's just... It's just weird and going multiple blue. Uh, give me a break. Like, I don't know. Look, so look, I'm in the desert, so it's a little bit different. But water isn't rare in this country. Like, if you wanted, like, and and for what it's worth, neither are mountains, Utah and Denver. Like, at least that's a little bit more of your beat. For them being like, hey, we're the place by the water. Weak sauce. Like, do better, Bucks. <laughs> but everybody knows what I think. There will be many more videos about this, you know. So I'll stop there. I really wanted to put the books at the bottom. Their reveal series of drone videos were tone deaf and everything else. But uh, sigh, sigh. Uh, what do you what do you think about the books? The books, it, it's it kind of falls into that box of I don't think it's a bad basketball uniform, but it's not appropriate for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I mean, I, I get the you know, the etymology of Milwaukee, 
um, gathering place by the water. Okay, so so the conceptually it makes sense. I think it's kind of got a interesting technology with with the effect that they've put on the the numbers, kind of that reflective watery look. Um, but all things considered, like you said, it kind of falls into the the bigger problem of their identity crisis in terms of, you know, it was nice that they added blue into this uh, this color palette when they switched over to it to to tell a story about the place. Um, but at some point you have to stop telling stories and start putting out good looks. And I think that's kind of where all of this falls short for them. I'm so we're so starved for just interesting design qualities or some sort of tie to the past that I will admit to just getting a little excited that they just had something that said Milwaukee again, even though I don't like that word mark. Like Milwaukee, that's the thing too. Like nine letters is kind of tough to pull off. But even as I say that, I just described what I feel was a pretty beautiful San Antonio. Like like these things can be done. Like, But the Bucks don't seem to want to do cursive. They don't seem to want to do a lot of other things. And it was just like, well, at least it says Milwaukee, you know. But again, I said I was going to do less than 10 minutes on the Bucks. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been getting into to script fonts a lot lately, and, and I would love to see, like you mentioned, Milwaukee, um, kind of that beautiful script from the, the Kareem and, and Big O era. Something like that coming back would be pretty ideal for them. By all means, you should, I mean, we talked about this before. I think that's when we first started talking. By all means, design it. By all means. Like, let, let's get this thing going. One of the happiest kind of Easter egg parts of my personal social media brand which I know is a ridiculous sentence, is um, <laughs> that we've now had a whole year. And again, I, Brian, I haven't said this yet, this uh, this episode, that this is not in any way a political podcast, but that the Bucks owners, um, knowing what everybody except George Hill thinks about the Bucks owners, that the the blue, the thin blue line became a whole thing. And, and, and yet somehow the Bucks like, had all these uniforms like featuring a blue line and like uh, there was one guy trying to get them canceled and it just kind of didn't happen. But that was, that was a year long joke only for me that they, <laughs> they, they wanted to have this color and, and, and then all of a sudden people were like, what's because look, I didn't notice this stuff around the street. And then all of a sudden people were like, what's this blue line that's on license plates? What does this mean? And, and the Bucks owners are just have jerseys with blue lines all over the place. So just for me, that was funny. I don't know. <laughs> So, so with that being said, you don't have to comment on that. That's for me. But that being said, what's your number two, man? Well, so, so so real quick, before we move on from the Bucks, I don't want to jinx anything, but late July, when, you know, Giannis puts up, you know, 40, 10, and 10 in the finals and leads them to, you know, their, their first championship since the 70s, wearing the blue city editions, is that going to sway your opinion a little a little bit on them? So this is kind of embarrassing. I wasn't listening. Stugatz. I wasn't listening. I was looking at a picture. I was getting ready for the next thing to say. Uh, obviously, the answer is no. No amount of success in the blue jerseys will ever make them acceptable. But sorry about that, Brian. You caught me up in the air. Ah, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, see, I think that was one thing that I really liked about how Nike did, because I think Nike's in charge of the outfitting for, for all the games. For the Lakers and Heat last year, there was no city edition. Yeah, except for the the Black hmm. Mamba special edition, um, and so I think on the biggest stages, teams should look their most identifiable. 
Um, yes. But then we, we get back to the year before, and I think we had some matchups between uh, the Raptors and kind of their red and white. I believe it was their earned edition that was kind of the, the predecessor to what they wear now. And then the the Warriors in, I think it was one of the the town kind of black with, with gold accents. Um, but yeah, I, I think teams should look their most identifiable on the yeah. biggest stages. And so, you know, if, if they're winning that title, I, th- I think they should uh, do it some justice and, and at least look a little bit the part. You had brought up the, the anniversary patch. One of the kind of, it almost seems too cool for the era. But whatever year it was, I think it was the 35th anniversary patch where you see where they wore it on the shorts. And you see these guys wearing like these short shorts. I forget who were the players of that era would have been like like Tiny Archibald or something like that, dribbling with like a, a huge 35th anniversary patch like on the shorts. And it's almost like a third of the shorts. And I always thought that was real. I was like, wow, that it always seems somehow more modern to me, but it's probably just because they ordered a bunch of them and stuck them wherever, you know. But I don't know. I, I like I like anniversary patches, so I I will be looking forward to that. Oh, absolutely! Just and that's just another one of those, like we said, kind of one of those details that you know enhances something a little bit. All right, so that's my number three. Don't worry, I'll bury the bucks some other time, even more. Um, what's your, what's your what's your second worst city edition? Uh, second worst city edition is the Toronto Raptors. Oh, interesting. Okay, and, and that's one that I. It just felt like really low hanging fruit. Um, I, I think there's a lot of Instagram designers out there like punching air right now that they're not collecting royalties off these. And, and it's just, <laughs> it's one of those things where, oh, dinosaurs, claws, let's put some claw marks in the trim and across the side. And it just feels very, uh, very amateur, I would say. And I think I, I've actually been a, a fan of some of that. I know that. They're kind of black and gold, you know, Drake OVO color palettes, a little polarizing. Um, but I've kind of warmed up to it a little bit in the, the previous applications of it in City Edition. But this one is kind of the the worst iteration of that yet, for sure. T- totally fair. Um, I don't hate it, though. It, it, again, it, it kind of goes to my like two looks kind of rule that I personally have. I really don't like I really don't care for the kind, like you said, amateurish kind of rawr you know slash marks kind of thing i mean obviously everything is jurassic park adjacent you know they did the red and white thing i think the problem with the raptors now is that they kind of have three looks they have the purple the purple and um red kind of magneto dual kind of look and then they have the drake look and then they have the red and white look and so yeah i didn't i didn't i don't especially care for it but it's it's not the worst thing in the world to me that's fair um so that's your number two my number two was portland which i absolutely despise it's the first one that i saw it was one of the first leaks uh we talked about it earlier man but it just those colors don't work and then for them to have like a a kind of creamy like the whatever the creamy kind of color of the word mark added to it it was like why that couldn't be white like and it to me it's just it's epitomizes what i hate so much about kind of these over design kind of things i'm looking for the picture of it now but we talked about it earlier. It's it, it's where where branding and kind of identity and colors and all these kind of things where all those roads meet. And again, this cuts across kind of the whole city edition idea, which we've been talking about like the entire time. Is Portland 
has a lovable kind of college town kind of perception. And then kind of, like you said, one of the beautiful place to, to, to visit and to live and kind of these things that people say. And through the years, it's been red, black, and white. And I understand you want to get, you know, let your hair down and go crazy, Portland. Just to me, this just isn't the way. This is just way too much. It's just way too far afield of their regular identity. I'm looking at this huge sign. Apparently, the Oregon is that, that like, this some old town huge sign in Portland uh, right now. I, I just, maybe I could have stomached this if the word mark was white and they only had one extra color on the side. To me, it almost looks like a Burger King uniform from the seventies or something like that, with like the brown and the so yeah, just boo boo. This this now, now I can't unsee that. <laughs> but it but it does right. Like there's something intrinsically kind of 1981, 1975 about it to me. And and I think that that is also I think also kind of a reflection of the city of Portland itself. There's kind of a weird like time portal there. Interesting. Um, but it's it's one of those things that I you mentioned that you know they've had traditionally the the red and black and then the sash and um, when you look at the the market especially in the NBA you've got I mean the, the Portland Trailblazers the Chicago Bulls the Toronto Raptors the Houston Rockets the Miami Heat you have a lot of teams in that that red and black sphere True. Um, and, and so maybe this isn't exactly the answer. Um, but the, the the color scheme it at least kind of gets them into a, a sphere of their own, while also um, you're not going to have any mistaken identity with them. But right. on the flip side, that that shade of brown, I, my biggest concern, and you know I'll see it on TV here in an hour and a half or so. Um, biggest concern is I on the complexion of players that shade of brown. I, I mm-hmm. don't think that it accents the athletes very well. Um, and so that'll be interesting to see because I don't really think aside from that terrible monochrome uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform, I really can't think of any all brown uniforms that I've seen recently. So what you're saying is this is basically the brown version of Matthew Dellavedova wearing the Cream City where he just looked naked, like, <laughs> like running down the court. <laughs> that so, is exactly well, yeah. it. That's exactly, yeah. Not to put words in your mouth, but okay. Yeah, I do think... If I wanted to be favorable to it, I do think there's something interesting about that wavy texture, like a seismograph or something. But yeah, not a fan. So what's what's your worst? So, Brian, uh, we'd like to thank you for the time you've spent with us. Dude, it's been super awesome. Um, What's what's the worst one? Well, thanks for having me, man. And I really appreciate it. Anytime I can, you know, talk uniforms with anybody, I'd absolutely do that. So I've really enjoyed this. my, my worst city edition uniform this season. Um, and it was in my top five, probably when, when I first saw them come out. Um, it's the Miami heat. Oh, and it, it's one of those, it's, this is a terrible analogy, but it's, it's like that girl you see and you see her pictures and you scroll through and you're like, Oh wow. Like she's just, just beautiful, just dropped dead gorgeous. And, and then you meet her in person and you see her in, in real life in motion and it's like, no, nah, that's not the same person. Like, like that, like it just doesn't match up. It's just not congruent to the pictures. And it's one of those things that in all of their promo shots. And I know that they're heavily edited, but like you, you see Tyler hero there and, and it's just this, you know, bold sky blue and the, and the bold pink and that gradient in between. And it photographed so, so well on a single player. 
and then you see it in a game and the, the colors look dull on the screen. And when players are running in different directions, it looks like there's three teams out there. And, and so it's really just a battle of, of form versus function. And so while it looks good in, you know, a single kind of cropped image, you actually put it in action and it does not serve its purpose as a uniform. So I think you've probably now just right at the end taken the um, the belt from Ty Windish, who when we were fighting about Chris Middleton made some bizarre Anna Kendrick reference to <laughs> Chris Middleton was there. And, and, and you know what? I, I totally blanked on it. So it didn't even make, it didn't even make the awards that's telling your world awards show. Cause I totally, there's a lot of stuff that was in the podcast that I didn't forget. Cause I actually don't like listening to the podcast after we make it, but wow. What an analogy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. What an analogy. Um, I don't like that one, but I, I, again, they've been doing vice for a while. The bifurcation, if that's a word of, I, I, there's just no Jersey. I would like that's, that's going to look like that. It almost reminds me, I think the Kings and the kind of Weber era did something similar where like half of the Jersey was one side and half of the Jersey was doing the, something oh, else. The, the purple and black split. Yeah. That's too much. That's too much. That that looks like literally like the, you know, the mom who has two college kids in one place for UCLA and one place for USC. And <laughs> she wears the Jersey with like both of them, you know? Absolutely. It, yeah. Totally agree. It, 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 to me, it's right down the middle just because there were more, there were, look, look I, I wasn't able to hate all of you jerseys. I was only able to hate five. So it didn't make my bottom five. I wish I could have hated all. I wish I could have cut more of you, but yeah, that, t- totally a good choice. Um, one. Number one for me is the Knicks. The Knicks have a wonderful brand that has endured throughout all this losing. They stick to their colors. This is just the most bootleg roundel I can ever imagine. It's so bad that it makes the Pistons one, which is similarly awful to me, look actually good in, in by comparison. Uh, the gradient shorts, points for trying, I guess... It's it's just awful, and it, it and it's it, it's awful, and but worse than that, it, it looks cheap, and it, it's unbecoming a team that plays in Madison Square Garden, and I just couldn't believe that they did it, and I was very much sort of a fan of the fire department one that they did a couple of years ago, just because I was like obsessed with the idea that wow, even when the Knicks do something bizarre, they still look like the Knicks. This just looks. It looks like a Drew League jersey. I mean, I'll just keep saying stuff that it looks like it, it that that is it just it doesn't look like it doesn't deserve to be on an NBA court. And so there are things that are more outlandish. There are bigger swings and misses. But to me, this just doesn't look up to snuff. And so that's why the Knicks was my number one worst. I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, that's one that I, I think when I first saw it, I I might have tweeted something calling for like consecutive life sentences for the person responsible for it. <laughs> and, and I found out later on that uh, I believe it was uh, Ronnie Feig from Kith, um, kind of the, the apparel designer who was responsible for, for designing that uniform. Um, and it, it's kind of grown on me a little bit. I don't love it. It doesn't look like the Knicks. Um, that roundel is very bootleg, like you said. Um, but, but there's something about roundel aside the rest of it doesn't look so terrible to me um 
and it's one of those things again where I, I am interested to see kind of like you said the the ten year forecast of of where we go from here. Um, you know, will, will we see collaborations like this between like a, a well known streetwear designer and an NBA team, or um, like a lot of fans have called for you know Travis Scott Houston Rockets City Edition, or you know right. what's what's kind of that next step and how far into the commerce side are they were they willing to go with it oh no i was just gonna say and, and this kind of seems to be one of those first steps and and so it's interesting to see if if this is a precedent that it's going to set going forward to be fair it's always been a thing i mean puffy did the i think the mavericks thing and you know the flojo pacers and obviously the alexander julian kind of Hornets set but uh, i mean again if you turn your kid over to a fashion designer, you're not going to tell them it's no good. <laughs> you know, not that I think anyone thinks, I, I'm sure all these owners think these are all greater. They wouldn't have put them out, but it just seems to me that that's kind of the, that's the coin flip that you're going through. You're going to have either something like the nets, which you liked quite a bit. And I've, it's, it's grown on me, or you're going to have something that's absolutely abysmal. But so I'll take another look. I have seen it on the court and it didn't look quite as bad on the court but it literally looks like a corporate design logo or something too. It just looks like, like a logo for a school or something with the roundel. And I just, man, I just, I just hate it so much. I mean, you, you did say something there that swayed me though, in that you, you said, you know, the, the owners obviously think this is something good if they're putting it out there on the court. And, and typically what James Dolan thinks is appropriate to put out on a court is just not acceptable. <laughs> Um, dude are you the are you like the king of the one-liners or something like you should i i should have reached out to you to help me write that terrible comedy bit like this is this is is an incredible run by you so so next year once we see uh it'll probably be like a james dolan jd in the straight shot city edition (laughs) Um, i I think that'll be kind of the the logical conclusion of nike city edition program oh (laughs) this is a great place to stop anything else you want to hit on man before we say goodbye Ah, no, I just really appreciate you having me. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to to look at my work and support it and, and send me feedback when you do. And um, that's just one of the beautiful things about kind of the Twitter sphere is, is to connect people like us who are in, enthusiastic about, you know, uniforms or what have you. And, you know, hopefully produce some content like this that, that reaches some other people who are enthusiastic as well. So thank you very much for, for everything. Da Vinci on Twitter, Hoopla Dog or Hoop LA Dog, Hoopla Dog 87. Um, we'll attach it to the show notes, something else. But like really, really, truly classical work. And I think so much of your work brings out the idea of what these franchises are. And so it's not merely what, what again, continues to attract me to your work is that Yes, it's a, yes. These are spins on on older concepts, or it's your take on another concept. But they always they they're enhancers. They even actually enhance the brand. And some of the things, like again, like you should be working doing this stuff because I just it's really truly incredible. So again, man, yeah, thank, thanks for coming on. Titania World presents, and we sh- we should do it again. We should do it again next year. Absolutely, I would love to, man. You take care and be well. I appreciate you. Got another great episode lined up for next week. This one went a little long, but truthfully, I could have went a lot longer. So keep it locked. Look for we're going to address a lot of the controversy of the last couple of weeks. We didn't have time to put it here, but we have not forgotten. Along with uh, talking a lot more about some of the things that are both good and bad about the book. So appreciate all of you. Great review. Subscribe and go Bucks.